Hi there, and welcome to the umpal.com podcast. I'm Oli, and for episode 48, it is my pleasure to bring to you a chat with the incredibly talented American pipe carver, Mr. Grant Batson. This podcast was made possible by Scandinavian Pipes, your number one source for high-grade pipes, online since 1999. Go check out Pear's offerings over at scandpipes.com. That's S-C-A-N-D pipes.com. And what you will find are some of the most sought-after pipes in the pipe world. I believe you heard Mr. Dustin Babitsky mention Pear during his podcast, an excellent source for high grades. Check it out and let me know what you find. The following podcast was recorded on April 19th, 2013. Sit back, grab a pipe, and stay a while. I hope you enjoy. On the line with us today, we have American pipe maker, Mr. Grant Batson. Grant, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, man. Thanks. I'm glad to be a part. Grant, tell me a little bit about yourself, like where you grew up, how old you are, maybe a little bit about your family, uh, backstory, stuff like that. <clears throat> Well, I'm 38 years old, and <clears throat> I'm from a little town called Taylor, Texas, uh, just about 35 miles north of Austin, and uh, have one brother, and uh, pretty much lived my, all my growing up years in Texas, and moved to Nashville when I was 19 to go to college, and that's where I met my wife, Jill, and we started... Uh, procreating and my mom and dad decided they needed to be around their grandkids so they moved up to Nashville and my uncle and my grandma and my brother and everyone migrated up so I I was pretty much uh, locked into Tennessee apparently so I've lived here ever since <clears throat> and um, I've got four kids and uh, one of them is a teenager now so Really excited about that. So, <laughs> you sound um, excited about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've got four awesome kids. I've got three daughters, and uh, 13, 12, and 10, and then um, actually, no, 14, 12, and 10, good Lord. And um, and a son who's seven, and he is all about hunting and fishing and camping and anything that's outdoors, and so we go fishing a lot and camping a lot, and um so that's kind of uh that's kind of our pretty much my life consists of working uh and hanging out with with that crew and uh so what do you guys what good. do you guys fish for over there well uh there's a little little fishing hole that we like to go to not far down the road that uh there's a lot of smallmouth bass and and brim and it's it's really great for or the seven-year-old, you know. Um, there's a one of the better uh, fly fishing areas in the region for, for trout is about an hour down the road on the Caney Fork River, and uh, you know we that's a that's a, an awesome fishing hole. And I love to fly fish, but I don't I don't get many opportunities to do it. But uh, but yeah, there's actually all kinds of good good fishing to do around here. Um, I don't. My brother loves cat fishing. I'm not big into it. Uh, he likes to eat them, and I, I just I don't like to eat them. But, um, but yeah, so I like I like to fish for, for stuff that I'll eat. You know. But, yeah. Uh, we used to do a lot of fishing when I was a kid. I grew up in Florida, and back then, yeah. uh, gill nets were were legal, 
and me and my my dad, my uncles, my brother and sister, we'd go out with this huge gill net, and we had two boats. One had a motor and one didn't. And us kids would pull the the boat that had the net in it without the motor in a big circle. And then the uh, so of course we couldn't be too deep in the water, you know, because we right. had to pull this thing around. And then the uh, the other boat with the motor would go in, into the circle, chase all the fish into the net, and we'd pull it up. We'd oh, pull, that's cool. Yeah, we'd, we'd pull in uh, anywhere from, you know, 60 to 100, 120 mullet a night. Good grief. And so, yeah, we had fish fries at the local church, and we ate mullet day and day. And it's, you know, I don't I don't <laughs> eat fish anymore, man. <laughs> yeah. But, wow. uh, yeah, we did a lot of uh, a lot of that. We did, you know, regular fishing, too, with, with poles or cane poles. or uh, right. We had little canals around, little swampy areas and stuff. We had a lot of fun, man. But, um. Yeah. What kind of hunting do you guys do? Well, you know, pretty much anything that moves, um, we like to to shoot at. Um, <laughs> you know, sisters. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes inanimate objects are, are also in the hunt. You know, I mean, he's he's shot out uh, candle vases on the de- on the deck. You know, and uh, you know, mommy's favorite things and uh, but no you know right now michael is all about squirrel hunting he just wants to shoot squirrels man mm-hmm. and you know what we went camping the other night and um, he may be promising that if if we shoot a squirrel we're going to skin him and eat him yeah um, man yeah, absolutely we'll okay and uh you know of course we brought enough food we weren't we weren't hungry we brought enough food to eat but but I, I promised, so I was like, yeah, all right, dude. So, fortunately, we did not see any squirrels because I just was not – I wanted to sit down by the fire and have a cigar and hang out with my, my boy and let him, you know, target practice in the woods and without cleaning something, you know. Mm-hmm. So, fortunately, he didn't see any squirrels, and so we were in the clear um, – and still had plenty to, to eat, but um, but so yeah, he's in the squirrels right now. You know, we we do uh, deer hunting around here. Um, we're we're looking, hopefully, to go to uh, get into a a, a bow um, hunt for turkey uh, come come around this next season, and uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. But yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, he my my son is really into. Um, the idea of bow hunting. He, my my best friend, has gotten him real excited. He's he's big into bow hunting, and and so uh, he bought him. He recently bought my son a uh, a compound bow, and uh, so we haven't we haven't really done anything with it yet. But uh, he's excited about that. So. Very cool. Now, have have you guys eaten squirrel before? <clears throat> well, I did growing up, but he hasn't. He's actually um, <clears throat> found roadkill squirrel on the side of the road and literally brought a dead nasty bleeding carcass of a squirrel in the house asking mommy to cook it and how, you know, how did she it, how'd she handle that she came straight out to my shop and was like um you need to deal with your son and the three sisters are all screaming and running you know uh it was pretty funny but i had to explain to them the difference between you know <clears throat> a fresh you know good kill and and what you might find on the side of the road so mm-hmm. um yeah we didn't we didn't eat that you didn't eat that one no we didn't eat that okay one. all right well I'll, I'll tell you a quick story about roadkill uh 
my wife works with some folks uh, who um, were joking around one day and said, yeah, hey, if you, you see a, a deer on the side of the road, you need to let us know. And, and if it's fresh, we'll, you know, we'll go get it. And so, oh, absolutely. Uh, so she, she told him one morning when she went in, she said, hey, there's on the way in, there's a deer that wasn't there yesterday. It must, must be fresh. So, you know, if you guys are for real, you should go get it. And sure enough, man, they, they took off. They uh, went and got the deer, and they actually had everything they needed in their trucks. And so uh, they took it back to work, and between jobs, they work at a printing press. Between jobs, they they cleaned this deer, and that night, my wife came home with deer meat. That's awesome. Yeah, man. So we, we, actually, uh, we actually had roadkill deer for supper. <laughs> And of course, you know, it tasted like tastes like deer. It tasted real good. Yeah, but, um, absolutely. It was, it's man. the uh, it's the only time I personally have ever had roadkill. Now, my my aunt who lives down in Florida, she had a neighbor who regularly would invite her over for roadkill items like possum and and things that she'd find and, and cook up. And <laughs> yeah. My aunt would say, you know, I appreciate that, but I'm I'm good. I'm good. So. Yep. Yeah, I tell you, you know, possum is one of those things. I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't think I. I guess if I was like on some survival show and I had to eat it, I would probably do it. But you know, you should you should try out for that. You know, I think I think maybe we're onto something. Maybe we can get some sponsors together and we can get some pipe makers who who will go out and survive cuz I'm totally into the whole minimalist camp and survival craziness so Oh me um, too man. I, you know I think we should get uh somebody to sponsor a survival week where where we're out there with with nothing but some lathe tools or something you know. Yeah. <laughs> I I agree. I'm down. All right man I like I like how this is shaping up. All right so yeah. what, how old were you when you moved from Texas to Tennessee? I was 19. What was that? Um, big culture shock, or was it pretty easy to move in, or what? Not really, not really. I mean, it was kind of it was a little different, you know, because I'm from a kind of a rural, small town, uh, and and moving to a more of a city type environment and going to college. You know, I mean, it's going to college, so you're kind of it's a culture shock going from high school to college anyway. So, what did you go yeah. to college for? I went to college uh, and studied. I ended up studying PR and marketing, and uh, Spanish uh, were my my majors and, and minor. And um, and then, uh, man, I don't know. I, I think I had I was four hours short of minoring in about seven other subjects as well because I kept changing my mind so many times. But um, but I started off as a neurology. Uh, I was going to be, uh, you know animal biologist, you know, get into brain surgery. That's what I wanted to do. And then decided that that was going to be too many years of school. So I changed my mind. And then I decided I wanted to be an uh, art teacher and then a history professor. And I don't know, man, it's funny. I think I changed my major literally seven times and uh, uh, throughout the course. But um, ended up with public relations slash marketing. Do you work in that field? Well, you know, I think everybody works in that field. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, my, you know, my my business. Um, when I got out of college, I went straight into uh, a kind of 
flushed my education down the toilet because I decided I wanted to be a woodworker. So I graduated from college with a degree, and instead of like going straight into like a marketing, you know, advertising public relations firm internship, I I got a job making furniture and cabinets in a local millwork company, and uh, then. Over the next year, I became a project manager for that company, and then <clears throat> kind of that project management role took me to different different places. So I then went to a, a, um, cabling, like a fiber optics and, and copper uh, low uh, low voltage networking cabling company as a project manager and lead technician, and then. Um, Went to a civil engineering company where I worked for about nine years. Went to an electrical contracting company where I was a project manager. Anyway, did a lot of management for a lot of different companies. And but all the meanwhile, um, I was working on the guitar business that that my brother and I were, had been working on. So when I first got the job in uh, at, at the millwork company, my brother had just moved to, to town and so I had gotten him a job there as well and he just really decided he wanted to make guitars and so he started making guitars uh, on his own time after work and weekends and stuff there and I was helping him with design stuff and just kind of mainly being more than more than anything just being a, a moral support and trying to help him with aesthetic you know elements of the guitar and uh that kind of evolved. So all of these years of going from job to job, I was trying to help my brother with this guitar passion. And um, you didn't really ask me about that, but I thought I'd put it in there. Yo, uh, well, yeah, I was going to get to your connection with guitar. So did you, <clears throat> did you guys sell guitars pretty regularly that you handmade? Uh, after a while we did. Uh, and, you know, it took a lot of years. Um, he started making guitars... Um, but you know they weren't turning out quickly, and he was learning a lot as he was going. And I, I had built an electric guitar when I was 15 uh, in shop class in high school, um, but it was quite a bit easier than than what we were trying to pull off with acoustics. And so, you know, he was, you know, I had a, a small family and and a real job that I was trying to, <laughs> you know, turn right, into right. Yeah. <laughs> groceries. And so he he didn't have a family, and so he would spend every waking moment just researching about guitars. And, and so, you know, I was kind of his right-hand man in every way that I could be uh, as he was developing all that. And through the years, it probably took us about 10 years of um, scratching our heads and him really researching and building and making tools and jigs and and me, you know, trying to start networking and marketing and branding and helping him with design stuff and, and all that. And after about 10 years, we finally turned it into a product that we felt like we could market and sell for, for real. And then it probably took another couple of years before we started consistently selling them. And so then for another three or so years, we actually sold a lot of guitars. We made a lot of guitars and we, we built the company um, into something that, uh, you know, we could, you know, try to have employees and, and you know, a, a real bookkeeper and, you know, all of that stuff. We had dealers all over the world and et cetera, et cetera. 
But um, so that was anyway. I kind of bunny trailed there, but the question about marketing and PR, you know, I found that in every one of my my jobs, and especially in the in the guitar world, you know, that was something that I really pulled from was this understanding of you know how people work and what motivates people, what what do people want and need, and you know how should you respond to people in business and uh, and so really at the I guess at the baseline of everything that we do, there is this element of <laughs> you know marketing. Yeah, absolutely. The, For sure. Does your brother still make guitars? Yeah, he does. Um, I think right now he's he's spending some time in China. They're working on um, a Chinese factory, uh, which we had talked about for years and years, but uh, uh, we never went there because uh, we really wanted it to be, you know, American-made, boutique, you know, custom high-end. We really just wanted to control it and be, you know, if our name was on it, we wanted to make sure the quality we could stand behind and when something's overseas, uh, it, it makes it really difficult to, to virtually impossible to do that. And so we never went that route. But since I had left the business and he kind of had downsized a little bit, I think for him at this point it made sense to, especially in our economy, to you know go over there. So I think currently he's got plans to have a, a factory in China that makes his guitars for the Chinese. So not not marketed and branded in other places in, in the world, but but they're Chinese made and they're sold to the Chinese market. So um, that's what he's working on now, and uh, we talked about that just uh, a week or two ago. And it sounds like he's kind of rolling in that direction. But cool. So uh, when yeah. was it that that you decided to leave that business? It was about November 2011. And was that yeah. was that your segue into into pipes or, or how did you how did you get into uh, working with pipes? I got into smoking pipes just out of college, uh, or just, actually just going into college uh, around nineteen or twenty, um, and I really I really enjoyed it. You know, it was I didn't know anybody actually that were, were pipe smokers. I kind of got into this as a loner almost just to. And I started buying and finding and collecting all pipes that I could, you know. And when eBay started getting big, uh, I started buying more and more through the years, a little bit more down the road. Um, and uh, I started giving pipes to friends because I wanted my buddies to come and hang out and smoke a pipe with me. And, you know, they weren't buying pipes. They weren't into pipes. So I was trying to get them into smoking pipes so we could all have a good reason to, like, have a club and have a night away where we all go and do something, you know. So we kind of like try to start our own little pipe club. And um, so then fast forward <clears throat> years later, uh, I'd really gotten more into cigars. I was still smoking a pipe occasionally, but really gotten into uh, cigars a whole lot. And uh, so out of the guitar business, um, well, while I was in the guitar uh, business. I met Todd Johnson. He had contacted me uh, after seeing a guitar that my brother and I had built that had a cigar humidor built into it, and it was for this really, um, it was kind of a, a one-off novelty thing for this IPCPR um, 
cigar convention that we had gone to. And uh, so Todd had seen this guitar, and he contacted me to do some um, some display work for some of his pipes for one of his customers. And so we had met <clears throat> and become friends. And then when when uh, I left the guitar business, Todd said, well, man, what are you going to do now? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I had no plan. I, I left the guitar business <clears throat> and just didn't know what I was going to do next. So long story short, he, he says, why don't you come and learn to make pipes? And so I I did. I, I went straight there and um, and I learned to make pipes. And I sat next to him for um, a good number of months just soaking up everything I could on how to make pipes. And uh, it was, you know, it was kind of, I was in a very enviable position, I guess, you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, Todd's top notch. I mean, he's he's absolutely uh, one of those top tier carvers. So, yeah, to be able to uh, be in that position is certainly um, a, a really amazing thing. Yeah, no, it certainly was, and I mean, I I still tell him often. I was like, you know, can't <laughs> I can't tell you how grateful I am. You know, I mean, I really had no idea. Uh, the funny thing is, you know, um, do, do you know Keith Moore? Yeah. Well, Keith and I had been friends for a long time, and years before I met Todd, and and Keith would always tell me, "Man, Grant, you you should learn to make pipes." Yeah, I think you'd be a great pipe maker. You, you, you really need to make pipes. And I would say, Keith, dude, I don't know how to drill a curved hole, first of all. And hmm. I, secondly, I don't know crap about making pipes. You know, I just, I, I got enough things to do. And, of course, at this time, I was, you know, deep into making guitars. And But he, every time I would see, I'd, I'd see Keith probably once a week. And probably, you know, half of the time I saw him, he was telling me, you need to make pipes. For years, and I just always said, you know, I never gave it any credence whatsoever. So it was funny that it came around, and when I when I contacted Keith finally at one point and I told him that Todd had kind of brought me under his wing and teaching me to make pipes, and he just started laughing. He said, "Man, I knew it," you know. And uh, <laughs> so how so, did, how did you know Keith? Well, Keith worked at Uptowns for mm-hmm. years and years, and. Uh, Uptowns was kind of where I would go uh, before I was full-time in guitars. I, I would go and hang out there. And then when I went full-time into the guitar business, um, me and my uh, my marketing guy would go and we'd sit down every Tuesday and sometimes Thursday afternoons at Uptowns right outside Keith's office. And we would work on our newsletters and our website and advertisements. You know, all of our marketing stuff for the company we did at Uptowns. So Keith, and, uh, Keith knew that you were already, you know, working with wood and already a, a an artisan in your own <laughs> right, you know. So that that would right. that would and you loved pipes, so it would make sense that that right. uh, he would he would say that. How funny that 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 those connections were made and and uh, and it all worked out that way. Yeah, it's it's really bizarre. I, you know, I, pipe making was never on my radar. Not not in the least. It never occurred to me that. But, well, it never occurred to me truthfully that it was even a real occupation. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You're, a, you're a what? Yeah. A pipe yeah. Oh, you, oh, you like you're, you're a pipe threader? 
you're, you're a pipe fitter? Yeah. No, I'm a pipe, pipe maker. Well, it's just kind of weird. But um, but it's funny. I, I've i never loved doing anything as much. Well, um, man, your work is just ridiculously stunning. Let's talk about your work for a little bit. <clears throat> okay, um, thanks. You know, you you have a, a really wonderful sense of line and and color and texture and um, you know you know I can just definitely feel like there's there's this artistic vision behind it. and I know that you've you've worked in aesthetics especially like in guitars and you helped your brother with that but you know was there anything early on that made you say I mean, I guess you did say that you were thinking about being an art teacher. You've got a really great sense of composition. So, uh, you know, was there anything early on where you, where you were, you know, drawing a lot? Were you painting? Or, you know, what other kinds of things were going on? Because I'm looking at your work, you. and it's and, and you've got you've got a whole lot of artistic expression going on. Well, thanks. Yeah, growing up, <clears throat> I was kind of the the weird kid that, you know, when everyone else was outside playing Cowboys and Indians or throwing a football, I was holed up in the house drawing and painting and charcoaling and, you know. All right. So I kinda, that makes I sense. I kind of, yeah, I mean, and I did love to play Cowboys and Indians and throw the football too, but but I, I art was my thing. And, you know, in school, um, growing up through the years, I, I, I would draw constantly in class. I would have kids that wanted to trade me or things for artwork or, or pay me their lunch money so that I could draw them a picture or whatever. So I was drawing, you know, sports figures and race cars and, you know, um, skulls and on fire and, you know, any kind of weird thing and, and really loved the Escher stuff. And, you know, just there were a lot of different artists that kind of influenced my... <clears throat> I guess my work, but, but just really always loved art and, and, uh, you know, I didn't ever go through any seriously formal training for it. Um, but I just kind of always did it. And uh, I think, I think one of the lovely things about your work is that I, I can see that you're not afraid to go out on a limb and do what you want to do. Um, I'm looking at red dragon pipe number 12 and, uh, Tell me about that kind of extra stem that that's going on in that one. <laughs> that's just awesome. Yeah, you know, I love that. Okay, well, first of all, let me say this. Todd told me something one day that, <clears throat> you know, I don't know that I'll ever learn as much uh, from one individual as I've probably learned from Todd, and it's, in, it's on so many on so many levels. But one of the things that Todd said to me that still sticks in my mind was that someone told him that, I think it was someone told him at a show, or or maybe he was recounting the story, but um, your your work is both original and good. Unfortunately, the the work that is original is not good, and that which is good is not original. And that kind of haunts me, you know? I think about that all the time. Like, okay, I'm going to go out on the limb here. I'm going to chase this thing, this idea. And I'm going to hope that 
it doesn't look like a turd on a stick. You know? <laughs> like, please, God, don't let this be hideous. <clears throat> okay, I'd like to pause right there and mention uh, the comment that Grant made about a turd on a stick. And uh, I would like listeners to please reference uh, Scat Pot, one of the most recent pipes that I made right after this interview. Scat Pot, of course, is the one that has the fossilized dinosaur dung on a Delrin tenon, a.k.a. stick. Was it intentional? I don't know. Thank you. But, you know, one of the nice things about what we do is that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So, you know, art is, you know, it is certainly subjective and relative and all that. So, you know, you do what you do and, you know, let it put it out there for the public to scoff at or, you know, praise and, you know, whatever. But that particular one, you know, it's funny. I was, I couldn't decide on the shank. Because I yeah. had I had good grain and good like I had you know the briar was right for going in one of two directions and then at some point I just decided well heck I think I'll just leave them both. <laughs> That's <laughs> and awesome. I, I put man. this little foot on it so it would actually stand you yeah. know it would actually sit up you know and it was just kind of this bizarre thing and I even contemplated making them making the stem work interchangeable so that you could smoke out of either one. But I had gotten too far along and I just didn't want to mess with it anymore. But <clears throat> plus yeah. I thought it was kind of stupid and I was like, man, I put a lot of work into something that's really stupid at the end of the day. Um, I'm stupid. So, uh, <laughs> but I think it's fantastic, yeah. man. I, I love it. You're the only other pipe maker that, that I know of that's ever made, a pipe with uh, an extra stem that doesn't work besides me. Um, I, I did one a while back, um, and it's it's called Flipper Mortis, and it's got this little side flipper stem sticking out of the side of it. Um, but anyway, it, uh, yeah, as soon as yeah. I saw this, I was like, man, that's that's just awesome. I love that he's he's okay with doing that and going out on a limb and saying, you know what, let's screw it, let's do this. This is this will work, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it looks like you're pretty fond of blowfish. Is that safe to say? You know, it, it's so funny. Um, Bruce Weaver uh, comes around to my shop uh, a lot, and and he gives me a hard time about blowfish. He's like, "Say, so, okay, you working on a blowfish today?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Well, I might, you know, push push me a little harder, Bruce. Are you gonna make another sandblasted billiard?" You know. <laughs> And uh, and we you know we'll laugh and it's funny but um, but no you know it's funny I smoke billiards like I like little pots and and you know kind of Hatfield McCoy just you know the most I, I guess the you know I'm kind of the I'm about efficiency and so I want something that will get my nicotine intake from point A to point B mm-hmm. fast. You know, like it, I don't need a bunch of curved lines and all this crap. I just want something plain and simple. That's what I smoke. However, I am fairly bored making that, and I do I do like to make them from time to time. But for me, it's a lot more fun to to like investigate the briar. 
Yeah. A lot of times I'll take a block of rubber to the, to the shaping wheel. I, there's no clue. I have no clue what I'm going to make. I don't draw on it. I don't, I don't go to the wheel. Probably 50% of the time I'll take rubber to the wheel with no uh, forethought. I love um, that, man. I think that's excellent. You know, take it to the wheel, see what the grain's telling you, and and uh, just have fun, man. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, it, but it, sometimes what happens is it becomes a problem because then if you've made, if you you start to see the same thing because you know there are certain pipes in every block. There, you know, you, in fact, you could probably get most pipes in the world out of a lot of blocks. Uh, so. No, I guess for me to deal with the blowfish thing, it's uh, blowfish are fun to make. I really enjoy them. Um, it's a challenge because they're kind of a pain in the rear, and so I like. I guess I feel like if I could, if I could make an Alex Florov level blowfish, you know, or you know, if I can, you know, do something on, you know the level of one of these guys that do crazy stuff, then I will have honed my skills to, to the point where I can do anything. Mm-hmm. And so really it's about the challenge of it. And also though, with this whole tormented blowfish thing mm-hmm. that just happened kind of by accident, I've actually gotten a lot of quests for them. So part of the problem with my blowfish making is not that I just want to make blowfish all the time, but people keep asking for them. And my kids also continue to ask me for food. And so I have to kind of, you know, do the blowfish so that my kids can eat, you know. Well, so. Grant, Grant, the problem is they're drop-dead gorgeous, man. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm happy. I'm generally happy with about 20% of the pipes that go out, which I feel is pretty good. Um but there's about 80% of the pipes out that I send out that I think, you know, that probably could have been better. And well, yeah, I think I think artists are always their their own worst critic in a lot of ways, you know. It's like yeah. you're you're always striving to to better yourself um, you know, from one work to the next, whatever it is that you work on. Um, as far as your workload goes, do you do you mostly do commissions or or how does that workflow typically progress? Because I know that you also deal with some retailers. Um, you know, it's kind of half and half. I, I have, you know, commissions that trickle in, you know, uh, fairly consistently, and uh, but, but they, it gives me just enough time to kind of keep them on track and still do stuff that I want to do um, during the week. So, um, I mean, I guess I'd say about fifty-fifty. Who besides we've already talked about um, Todd being your your basically your main mentor? I think is is what we could say is appropriate. Um, who are some of your other mentors along the way? I know you worked with Teddy at some point, right? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much Teddy. Um, you know, I mean, I've worked along. I've had man, it's been really cool. I've I've had the opportunity to work alongside uh, Tyler. Um, Steve Liskey, um, Constantine Shikada, uh, I've worked with him and that was, he's a really fantastic guy. I really enjoyed that. Um, obviously in Nashville, I've gotten to sit beside and work with Adam Remington and Pete 
and Steve Morissette and uh, Bruce Weaver. And so I've actually kind of gotten to sit beside a lot of guys who have, you know, made a pretty decent name for themselves in pipe making. And, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Um, how did you yeah. make that connection with Teddy? And, and tell me about that, that trip. You said it, it was uh, to Italy, right? Yeah, he has a shop. Um, I think he spends about six months out of the year in his little in his shop in, in Italy. And uh, what happened was at the last year's Chicago show in, in 2012, um, I brought that cigar guitar that I mentioned earlier um, and displayed it at uh, on the table and. Um, and he came by and just, he had to have it. He he was bringing his, you know, his little entourage. Uh, and they every day they would come by and they would laugh and talk in and, and, and their funny Danish way. And they would point and they would take pictures of it. And they would come back the next day and bring more people. And finally, you know, Teddy comes over and he says, um, I make decisions. You are come to Italy, and we make trade. Uh, you know, and so it was kind of his his doing. Uh, he he wanted that that instrument, and basically told me he was going to give me a pipe in exchange. So, um, wow, you know what? You a, know. What an offer, man! <laughs> yeah. Well, and the funny thing was. Like, this is terrible. This is going to probably be really bad on me. People are going to think I'm just a total noob and don't even deserve to be in this industry. But, <clears throat> truth, I, and I even told Teddy this, but I didn't know who he was. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I knew who, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so he comes up. I knew who Lars was. I knew who a lot of people were. But, you know, even my, my type collecting early on, it was, you know, it was, I was lucky to have a barling or a W.O. Larson or something like that in there. But most of it was, you know, I might scrimp together and save up enough to buy like a $70 Stanwell, you know. But most of it was really just crap pipes. So I didn't really understand, even even getting into making these high-end pipes from Todd Johnson, who lived in my hometown, I didn't know who he was until he approached me. I mean, I just didn't know. I wasn't in the pipe culture. So, So when Teddy comes up, you know, I don't know who he is, and and I told Todd that day, I said, "Man, this is funny, but this dude over here, he wants me to trade a pipe for a guitar." And Todd, his eyes got big, and he said, "Um, the answer is yes." <laughs> and I said, well, "Okay, well." So anyway, he tells me who he is and all this, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." So, yeah, it was quite. It was quite a cool thing. That's, and, yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. That's amazing. So how was your trip over to uh, his workshop? How long did you stay there? I was there for a couple of weeks. I was with Mimo for about a week and then with Teddy for about a week. And uh, it was great. It was just really fascinating. I learned a lot from Mimo and, and the whole uh, the way that the briar's done, you know, every, everything, every aspect of it just I mean, it gave me an, an, an immense appreciation for the whole, um, the thing, the, the medium that we use, uh, it's got a, it's got a rich history and, and that was cool. And then, uh, obviously working with Teddy and, and getting to hang out with his wife, Nettie a lot. And, 
eat dinner with them and have wine with them and make pipes with them. It was fantastic. It was just, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of times you have opportunities to do things and, and the gravity, you know, they don't feel necessarily like maybe a big deal until you kind of, I guess, step back a little ways and, yeah. and take a yeah. look at it. And at the time, it was just a really very relaxing and enjoyable and educational experience and uh, one that I really, I didn't take lightly in any way, but yeah. um, but I think now I probably appreciate it even more than, than I did. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of like there. winning some kind of strange pipe lottery and like you're like, whoa, what just happened? And then, you know, it, it probably slowly dawns on you that you're in a really awesome space. Now, I say that yeah. jokingly because obviously you got there for a reason. You know, you have uh, some amazing craftsmanship that, that played out in that guitar. And so it's not it's not like uh, it happened for naught. It was, you know, there was a whole lot going on there behind the scenes that allowed you to be in that position. But, yeah, wow, how cool. Yeah, you know, I think I think that's true, but I, I will say that I certainly didn't feel like I was on a par. You know, like I, even though it was his idea, he invited me. Um, you know, he had some appreciation for for me and my work, which was which you know which was very encouraging and flattering and all that. But uh, I think while I was there making pipes and 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 of course between having met him for the first time and, and him making this offer and then me going, obviously I studied up on Teddy Newton and yeah, yeah. You know, found out exactly who this guy is. And so by the time I went, you know, of course I had this reverence and feeling like, man, this is uh, not many people get to do this. Yeah, you know, this yeah, is a sure. uh, pretty seriously cool thing. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I, I still uh I still feel really fortunate and, and blessed and, and I'm thankful for it. When you're uh when you're dreaming up new pipes to make, what is really interesting to you right now? Um well, you know it's funny, actually I couldn't sleep last night and so I start I have had a number of people ask me about reverse calabashes. And I'm like, dude, I I'm just, I'm still learning to make normal pipes, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't, but so last night I couldn't sleep and I just decided, you know, all right, I'm going to look into these things. So I started reading up about them, watching videos, just trying to wrap my mind around what's the point, A, and, you know, how, how does it, how does it work? You know, how could I, how could I make it? So, so that's kind of, you know, slightly interesting to me. Um, I think some of the other things that are, interesting to me in terms of just Carver's inspirations. Um, I, this may be bad. I don't, I don't know. I guess everyone, people will judge me for, for a number of things, I'm sure. But, uh, uh, I get online and I'll just start searching for, you know, high grade pipes, custom pipes, tobacco pipes, all this kind of thing. And just start, start looking at images and, most of the time, I don't know who's making them. Uh, I'm just looking, you know, just seeing what's out there, just for something that it might just be a material used or, you know, the way that they made the transition from the saddle to the shank or, you know, some little interesting thing that, you know, some 
line that they put on their pipe or whatever. And a lot of times I've, I'll print these out and I've got them scattered around my shop. And it's a lot of times they're pipes that I don't really like to pipe overall, but there's maybe one little thing that in- inspires me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I kind of do that all the time. You know, yeah, I don't. That's a, I think that's a great way to get inspiration. It's like an artist, uh, a painter going to uh, a museum to, you know, look at look at art. Makes a lot of sense, man. Yeah, again, I, I wish that I was more of a student of things. You know, my brother really is. Todd Johnson seems to really be. Uh, a lot of people are just they're insatiable learners about you know and, and researching uh, you know about the things that they're interested in. For me, I'm kind of. I don't know if it's good or bad or just maybe neither, but I'm kind of a doer. You know, I don't, I don't really study about stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I study about how to, how to execute things, but in terms of like knowledge of the history of things and the development of this or that, or so I don't really know still a whole lot about the pipe industry. I kind of, and I almost feel like. I don't want it to change the way I do things. Well, I, I have a theory about that, and I think that the reason is the way you're approaching uh, pipe making, I think, is is from an artist angle. And so yeah. you, you do what you do. And so um, the more information you gather about um, who does this and that and the other and how they do that and – you know, what you're supposed to be doing versus what you already want to do. Um, you know, I think that, I think that there's probably some apprehension there because you already know what you want to do. Cause you're an artist. You're like, no dude, I've got, you know, I've got ideas right. that I've got to move on. This isn't like, um, uh, cause I know that feeling. I know exactly what you're talking about. It, it's yeah. like you're every day you're ready to get into the shop because you got all these ideas that are going on because you're an artist. It's just what you do. This stuff comes out of you, you know? Right. So that's, that's what I think is going on there and it makes perfect sense. And there's, there's not, there's not a whole lot of people out there like that. So that, that's, you know, that's what makes guys like you very interesting to watch because you never know what's going to happen. Well, yeah, and and you know the scary part is, and I was telling Bruce this the other day. I, I'm I'm intimidated every time I pick up a piece of briar, and because I think there are there's a few excellent pipes in that block, but there's an endless amount of bad pipes, and 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 so the part the part of me that's the artist that that doesn't need to rely on logic and knowledge and all that. I feel like I kind of have to like take a deep breath and just let all my apprehension go and, and the fear and just just start like feeling it and just kind of going with it. And I made a pipe yesterday that that was just wacky. Uh, it's really wacky, but it actually turned out to be way less wacky and maybe interesting now. But it was because I just I was I got scared in the middle of carving it and I stopped for a little bit and. Then I just decided, ah, you what the hell, you know, and and I just kept going, and uh, and I think there is logically, I want to be, I want to be as good a pipe executioner, you know, I guess, <laughs> as you know, Yashtalov and Todd Johnson, and you know, obviously even to just 
you know, say such as Lars and, and Yes and all these guys, you know, J- Jody Davis, it would be nice to be as good a pipe maker as they are. Mm-hmm. But if I if I focus on that, I think I'll never be there because I, I think I have to just be me. Yep. I have to. I just have to make pipes as with as much, you know, precision and excellence as I have in me possible, and be happy with it when when you know at the end of the day. And and that's what I think. That's where I have to keep coming back to. Is I'm I'm not comparing myself to anybody, mm-hmm. you know, and because that's where the intimidation and the fear factor plays in. And um, you know, and I've gotten I've gotten ribbed for putting all the wood accents on there and for making too many blowfish and for you know a number of other things. You know, my my shanks are all real chunky, you know, and I make you know they're all kind of masculine and this or that. And okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that's how I do it, you know. I I like that. I gravitate toward it, and I think that's one of the things that that um, you know eventually allows people to differentiate between carvers. When those carvers gets get to a point where they're comfortable enough to allow themselves to have their own voice, then we can start telling them apart. And it's not until then that we can do that because up until that point, we're we're looking at um, folks who are producing um, something that is functional, but they're making um, decisions based on a a small number of of possibilities instead of a great number of possibilities because – you know, once you kind of know all the rules and once somebody kind of gives you your your license to drive – yeah. Up until that point, you you feel like okay, I need to do this and I need to do that, and there's only so many pieces in that puzzle that you can screw with. Yeah. But after somebody gives you the license to drive and says you're an artist now, shit, man, it's all open and you can do yeah. all kinds of stuff. And and what what I think you're talking about is, you know, you're you're already. Well, I can tell you, you're already there. You're already an artist because that's the angle you're coming from. But it's like you're saying, it's there's this, there's this strange thing that you always kind of that always kind of comes up in your mind about, um, you know, do I look at my work compared to this other person's work, and where do I stack up, and all that kind of stuff. But right. Um, and and as an artist, it's kind of like a it's 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 just always there in the background. But what's more important is that we, as artists, just go out there and do our thing and let the chips fall where they may. Because, man, I tell you, yeah. it, there there are uh, there are just as many people who are going <clears throat> who are going to talk, um, who who are going to look with a with a screwed up eye at whatever it is I do in my workshop. Um, whether I'm following rules or not. So I might as well do what I want. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, there is a part of me that, that, you know, I want to pay homage to the the traditions. And I want to, you know, um, I guess, you know, show respect. You know, For sure. To, to, to the culture, to the people that, that are way more 
you know, knowledgeable and have, have been in the into pipes for way longer than I have and who know infinitely more than I'll ever know. I mean, all of those things are important to me and I don't ever want to thump thumb my nose at those things or, or you know, show disrespect in any way. And the pro- sometimes the problem is ignorance. Out of ignorance, people will show disrespect, not knowing. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things I'm cautious about. I don't want to, just because I don't know any better, like really piss somebody off. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if I let that that uh, anticipation drive me, then I'll go mad and yep. I won't do a good job. And so, so I, I'll keep that in my mind, but I also try to have fun. I mean, with the guitars, I got ribbed big time on one of the guitar forums for putting a cigar humidor in the tail end of the guitar, and I just got on the forum, and I rarely ever commented back on the forums because it's just always dangerous. But I did on this one. I said, you know what, man, I get it, and I mean. I, and here's the thing, and, and it's the same with pipes. I take my work very seriously, but myself not so much. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm trying to have fun mm-hmm. and do excellent work. And we're not, this isn't healthcare or tax reform, you know? Yep. We're not, this, you know, no one's, no one's lives are at stake here. This is a, a luxury item in a collectible world of art critics, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, we're kind of, it's kind of fun and games, I think. Yeah, And yeah. so I, I try to, to keep that attitude, and um, and yeah, you're right. Just, you know, at, at, at that point, it's just smaller than me, you know? Yeah. Are there, are there ever any pipes that once you've made are really hard for you to part with? They're, well, yeah, I have, I have two of them now that are mine uh, because of that, um, and they are these really just straight billiard type. I liked them a lot, and I thought, man, that needs to be mine. So I put it on the website for like a day or two, and it didn't sell, and I was like, all right, they're mine, you know? Um, and it have, I, I still have one. I'm going to bring to Chicago that... Actually, I actually marked it as sold on my website, which is kind of bad because I, I really thought I was going to smoke it. But I never smoked it. I guess I kept thinking in the back of my mind, man, it's, I could probably get some seriously decent money for that pipe, so I, I should probably not smoke it. So I'm going to take it to Chicago. If it doesn't sell in Chicago, it will be mine. But uh, So, yeah, I guess to answer your question, absolutely. Do you have um, a, a fairly large pipe collection? No. You know, I've given away more pipes uh, than, I, than I currently own. Um, it, it's, it's funny. I have guys that come around and they're aspiring pipe you know, collectors or pipe smokers. Or they're wanting to learn how to, how to pack their bowl or they're wanting to learn about this or that. And most of them have like one pipe, you know. And so... <laughs> I've ended up just giving away just a stupid number of pipes. And sometimes I'm hunting around for a pipe and I'm wanting to smoke it and I realize, oh, I don't have that one anymore, you know. But um, I've probably got 10 or 12 maybe. Do you have um, a, a preference for straight or bent? I think I think straight. Um, the, the two that I smoke predominantly are straight. I do... I will tell you, I have an, one of my very favorite pipes for more than a decade. It's this uh, old um, Barling Meerschaum nose warmer. It's a bent uh, 
like a bent billiard nose warmer. It's this weird little pipe that I freaking love. You know what? I think you had that at Chicago last year, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that pipe. That's an awesome pipe, yeah. Yeah, I love that pipe. So... Um, so I, that that's probably really the only bent pipe that I really love. Um, I don't know why, but is that one of the ones you smoke pretty regularly? Yeah. What are what are a couple of the other ones? Um, I've got two that are that I've made uh, that that I just really enjoy a lot, and um, both of them are kind of just a straight, I don't know, billiard type. Ideal. How about tobacco? What's your favorite tobacco right now? Um, man, I would say Exotique is probably one of my favorites, and I probably the the one I smoke more than anything right now is Larry's Blend. Um, I have uh, a a good friend um, who's in the industry gave me some uh, Fillmore that's been aged for. A number of years that I've just cracked open not too long ago that I've really been enjoying. I'm kind of just really starting to learn about Virginia, honestly. Um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, that's a I I, I like it. I, it's funny. I have a, you know a lot of friends have told me, oh you know English and you know Virginians are this or that and you know I, so I kind of have a lot of friends that are into English and hate Virginians and so I just hadn't tried them but I actually like Virginia so. Um, I don't know. I guess pretty much if you can put it in your in your bowl and smoke it, I'll probably I probably would. <laughs> what do you like to do in your spare time when you're not making pipes? <clears throat> well, I really love a good cigar, and I'm big time into micro brews and beer. And I've got some friends we brew beer uh, from time to time. And uh, but really, um, more than that, just I love running around with the kids and playing out in the creek and, you know, I don't know, hunting and fishing and camping and just uh, kind of relaxing around the house with the family. Sounds good, man. I'm kind what, of boring, really. No, not at all. I think that's, uh, I think that's sounds fantastic. What are, what are some of your favorite cigars? Oh, man. Uh, probably my very standard day-to-day that you can't ever go wrong with is a Illusione. Uh, it's an Epernay. Um, and I've, I've got uh, a lot of Drew Estate stuff that I really enjoy smoking right now. Probably the, the most surprising and, and the newest cigar that I'm really just enamored with is uh, by Room 101. It's called Daruma. And it's just a very interesting and very well-rounded smoke. Do you still go to Uptowns pretty regularly for to hang out or to uh, get cigars or anything? You know, I haven't really. I went over there a week or two ago, um, but I live on the opposite side of town now. Mm-hmm. And so there, I, I would have to pass. Uh, I think there are four cigar shops closer to my house than they are. So it's <laughs> I don't get over there very often. Tell me uh, one thing about you that is something I would have never known and maybe something not many people know about you. Well, I tell you, I I was a huge tennis player. Really? Growing up, I, I, yeah, I was. I'm not, my dad actually um, even worked out this thing. He worked. He built a tennis court in my backyard. I was so into it, and I actually was was very good. And I 
I uh, was um, on my way to state in high school and uh, threw out my elbow in a final round, and um, it ended my my career. But, no kidding! Uh, wow. Yeah, had plans to play tennis in college even. See, that's wild. I would have never known that. That's a that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. What is uh What's next in the shop for you right now? Um. Well, today I've got to finish up this wacky, weird pipe that I was working on yesterday, and I am actually tomorrow. I mean, I'm sorry. Today, uh, I'm making a pipe for TPC Mike has commissioned a pipe for me. Oh, cool. And so I'm really wanting this thing to be special. And in fact, the pipe I started yesterday, it's wacky, was going to be for him. But as I got going on, I just felt like this was not, this is, this is not for him. You know, it's not the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of laid awake <clears throat> last night thinking about this pipe for Mike. And uh, it's going to be something unlike anything that I've made before. And uh, I'm kind of excited about it. I've kind of got a few ideas and, we're gonna. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I'm a little nervous, but hopefully it'll be, you know, better than a turd must fit. Michael, you know, Michael. Mike's so so awesome though. He'll love it anyway. You know, I don't he's think. Just a cool dude. <laughs> I don't think we have anything to worry about, Grant. I'm pretty sure you're gonna make a pretty nice pipe, man. <laughs> well, I hope. Yeah, you you haven't seen my drawer of stumbles today. <laughs> Yeah, I just show everybody uh, the good stuff, you know. What pipe shows can we expect you to be at this year? I right now my plan is to be at Chicago and uh the West Coast show in Vegas. Um I I'm constantly contemplating going to some of the other shows, but for me right now I'm just just really trying to manage the cash flow and and, and keep production going. So for me two shows a year and I don't like to travel. You know, my wife likes it when I'm home and the kids do. And so, you know, two trips a year is good enough for me. Uh, so that's the plan for now. Good deal. Well, I'll definitely see you at both of those shows. So that's very cool. Where can we purchase your pipes? And also tell us what your, uh, your handle is over there on Instagram so that people can follow you there. Okay. Uh, on Instagram, it's just Grant Batson. And my pipes currently are with smoking pipes. Um, I'm also with uh, scanned pipes. Good deal. Well, Grant, it's been great talking to you, buddy. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to uh, hang hey, out for a while. Hey, you too. Yeah, thanks a lot. I, I appreciate it. It was, it was nice. You bet, man. All right, well, we'll talk to you soon, bud. Okay, thanks, Lily. And that was my chat with the incredibly talented Mr. Grant Batts, and what an artist, and what a genuinely nice guy. Those pipes that he makes are just uh, just phenomenal. Hey, don't forget to check out Pear's incredible high-grade offerings over at scannedpipes.com. That's S-C-A-N-D, pipes.com. You will love what you find. Always a fantastic grouping of some of the most sought-after pipes in the pipe world. Hey, thanks for spending some time with me today. I hope you enjoyed it. This is Oli for Oompal.com wishing you very good luck finding the perfect Grant Batson pipe for your collection.